You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. My name is Greg Jackson. I'm a PhD holding historian, a professor, and the creator of History That Doesn't Suck, a podcast that makes legit, seriously researched American history come to life through entertaining stories. Join me for a chronological telling of the United States story, from the revolution to fractious civil war, tenacious inventors, brave reformers, and more. With more than 100 episodes, you can already binge listen your way from 1776 to the early 20th century. Listen to History That Doesn't Suck on Spotify. Useless information. Hi, I'm Steve Silverman, and you're listening to a classic episode of the Useless Information Podcast. The story that you're about to hear, the strange kidnapping of Millie McGill... It was originally released on January 31st of 2010, and it was the first episode of the third year of this podcast. After re-listening to the story after all these years, I must say I really like this one. It's about every parent's worst nightmare, you know, having your child kidnapped, but it's all the oddball twists and turns in the story that make it so very interesting. Anyway, let's take a listen. Welcome to the Useless Information Podcast, my collection of fascinating true stories from the flip side of history. My name is Steve Silman. Today's story is on the strange kidnapping of Millie McGill. But before we do that, let's start with today's question of the day. For today's question of the day, I thought I would talk about blue moons. Now, you've heard that expression, once in a blue moon, and you may even recall that just a month ago, on December 31st, 2009, that's uh, a month from when I'm recording this, there was a blue moon, at least that's what they said on the news, there was a blue moon on New Year's Eve. And what they said was that it was the second full moon in the month of December. But everybody that told me this, I said, you're wrong, it's not a blue moon. That's not the definition of a blue moon. So a blue moon is not having two full moons within a month, it's something else. So my question for you today is, what is a blue moon? Now if you don't know, I'll let you know at the end of this podcast. This episode is made possible by PwC. A robot may not be coming for your job, but competitors are coming for your market share. At PwC, we pair the right tech with the right solutions to help you gain a competitive edge. Reimagine operations from the cloud, fuel innovation with responsible AI, and detect risks before they become headlines. That's human-led and tech-powered. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. And now for today's story on the kidnapping of Millie McGill. Now, this is a story that I stumbled across while reading some old newspapers uh, last summer, and I don't think it's seen the light of day in a very, very long time, but I hope you do enjoy it. Now, this is a story about every parent's worst nightmare come true. It's the kidnapping of someone's baby. And it starts on January 9th, 1945, where a young, unknown woman shows up at the Fort Worth, Texas home of the mother, Velma McGill, with a very generous gift of brand new baby clothing. It still had the tags on it. And, 
you know, of course, the mother and, you know, Velma McGill invites this young woman in, uh, you know, because she really was poor and could use the clothing and let her hold her three-week-old baby, Mildred Louise. Now, the young woman just thought, uh, you know, Mildred or Millie was, you know, a beautiful, beautiful baby. So she asked if she could take the baby downstairs to show her mother who was waiting, uh, you know, downstairs in the car. And this is where Velma McGill made a very, very serious error in judgment. And I'm sure you know what's going to happen here. The lady, the unknown woman, took the baby downstairs and never returned. She drove off with little Millie. Immediately, the Fort Worth police were called and they began an intense search for a woman described as a 20-year-old attractive blonde. That's basically all they had to go on. Luckily, young Millie was found abandoned at the Fort Worth Greyhound station the very next afternoon. She was fine. The abductress had left her in the care of a traveler's aid attendant at the station. The kidnapper said she'd be back after eating lunch, but of course she never returned. Ten days later, detectives arrested a 19-year-old woman named Melba Branson in Laredo, Texas, on the charges of kidnapping Millie McGill. Now, they thought she was a blonde, but it actually turns out she was a brunette. Melba immediately admitted that she had kidnapped the baby, but she was also quick to point out that was not her original intention. It turns out that she had been pregnant herself and had suffered a miscarriage following a fall at a USO swimming pool just 10 days prior to the kidnapping. Now, for whatever reason, maybe he wasn't home or whatever, she didn't tell her husband, who was a lieutenant in the army, that she had lost her baby. So Melba had already purchased all this clothing for her own child and decided to give it away to someone that was in great need of it. And that's how she found Millie and her mother. At least that was the plan until she saw how cute uh, you know, the three-week-old infant was. Suddenly, she decided to take the baby and run. She went downstairs and, of course, hopped in a cab. Her mother wasn't waiting down there. She hopped in a cab and left the scene. Now, Melba's new plan was to pass the child off as her own to her unsuspecting husband, and of course, they would raise it as their own. She then hopped on a bus to Fort Worth, but along the way, she got cold feet, and that's when she decided to leave the baby with the attendant at the bus station and just go home without young Millie. Mrs. Branson was eventually freed on a $10,000 bond, but she still faced trial on the kidnapping charges. If she's found guilty, she faced a sentence of 5 to 25 years in prison. And the mother, Mrs. McGill, you know, Millie's mom, was adamant that she be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Now, I know what you're thinking at this point. Big deal, Steve. This is one of the worst stories you've ever done. You know, history is filled with stories of desperate wannabe mothers that kidnap, you know, someone else's child and run off with them. But this story is about to take a strange turn, and that's why I'm telling it to you. The day before Melba Branson's trial, which is February 18, 1945, it was revealed that Millie's parents had filed for divorce and that her mother Velma was going to testify on the kidnapper's behalf at the trial. But not only that, and this is the real kicker, she wanted Melba, the kidnapper, to be awarded the custody of her now two-month-old daughter, Millie. Yeah, you heard that correctly. The mom wanted to give her daughter, Millie, away to her kidnapper. Okay, you got that? Of course, Mr. McGill, the other half in this divorce, had a totally different idea. Divorce by him was fine, but there was no way his daughter was going to be given away to her abductress. The trial began the next day on February 19th with the kidnapper, Melba Branson, entering the courtroom with, now get this, 
with eight-week-old Millie sleeping in her arms. Mr. McGill quickly walked over and blurted out, let me hold my baby, and then grabbed Millie and ran out of the courtroom. You see, he had intended to turn the baby over to his sister, Annie Mae McGill, and allow her to raise her. Now, he was quickly stopped out in the hallway by the assistant district attorney. You see, the court had a different plan in mind. Since obviously neither parents seemed to want Millie, and the mother strangely wanted to award custody to the abductress, they turned her over to the care of the county juvenile authorities. And not only that, they took away Mrs. McGill's 18-month-old son, Donald Ray Britton, from a previous marriage. This is a really smart move. The district attorney really wanted to make an example of Mrs. Branson, basically as a warning to future uh, you know, kidnappers. But in the end, the jury acquitted her of all charges. And not only that, but she didn't get Millie. You see, 30 minutes after the trial ended, the McGills announced they had reconciled. They dropped their plans for divorce, and they wanted to try again. But there was no guarantee that the couple would get their two children back. The court still had them. The district attorney, Al Clyde, really was determined to keep that from happening. A hearing on the matter took place on March 1st, and the judge denied the state's request that the two children be made a ward of the county. So they did get their children back. But the bizarreness of the story really was not quite over. The entire McGill family, Millie and all the others, moved in with Mr. and Mrs. O.H. Fincher, who just happened to be the parents of Velma McGill, the abductress. So they moved in with the parents of the abductress. Useless, useful, I'll leave that for you to decide. And now a few words from our retro sponsor. Hmm. Living like our grandparents. But they had their problems, too. You bet they did. And one of them is the same problem that bothers some of us today. Sleeplessness. Sleeplessness and jittery nerves. Brought on by the caffeine in coffee or tea. Do you know what I mean, friend? Of course, caffeine doesn't bother everybody. Lots of folks can handle it. But if caffeine keeps you up nights... If you're one of those folks who shouldn't really drink coffee or tea because it makes you nervous and irritable, listen to me. Switch to Postum. Completely caffeine-free Postum. Yes, try instant Postum for just ten days. I mean Postum. Instead of coffee or tea. So there's no chance for coffee nerves. Do that, will you? I'll bet you sleep. I'll bet you sleep like a baby. Yes, sir, and feel better, too. Better than you have in years. See if you don't. Get a jar of Instant Postum and drink Instant Postum exclusively for just 10 days. Then you be the judge. Postums was first introduced in 1895 by the appropriate name Postum Cereal Company. It was created as a uh, caffeine-free substitute for coffee, an alternative but unlike uh, you know, modern caffeine-free coffee where they extract the uh, caffeine chemically, it was, der- it was not derived from coffee at all. In fact, it was a mixture of roasted wheat, bran, and molasses and a little bit of another sweetener. It was incredibly popular during World War II when coffee was heavily rationed. After the war, sales started to die off, and when it was finally discontinued by Kraft in 2007, the average age of a drinker of Possums was 60 Five years old. Uh, it was also found near the end of its run to have high levels of acrylamide in it, and that is found to uh, supposedly cause cancer in animals. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? 
Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And now for a few totally useless yet totally true tidbits from history. It's time for like to call news of the weird past. Our first little tidbit goes back to March 21st, 1925, where 32-year-old Joseph Ingruitt was riding with two other men in a car when it catapulted into a ditch. Sadly, his two companions were killed, but Joseph was able to use his wooden leg as a lever and lift the overturned car off of him and survive. Our next little tidbit goes back to June 24, 1942, which reported that five-year-old Ronnie Wilhite had trouble pronouncing any word with the letter F in it. And this is due to a uh, small membrane that he had uh, beneath his upper lip. Instead, all his Fs sounded like the letter T. While out playing one day, he just fell, cut his lip on his front tooth, and it cut the membrane. Now, his sudden, now all of a sudden, his Fs sounded truly like Fs. And, you know, just think of all he can say now, being able to use the letter F. I can think of one really nasty word that kids use all the time. Our last little tidbit goes back to March 11th, 1949. It was reported that Alan Lee Sharp wanted to go see his girlfriend, Vicki Fowler, who lived just two doors down from him. Now, to impress her, he took his dad's car to go pick her up. But there was one big problem, and that is Alan was only two and a half years old, and his girlfriend, Vicki, was three. Needless to say, he never got there. He knocked on a bus stop platform, knocked down several shrubs, and crashed into a tree. Of course, the car was banged up pretty badly, but luckily he was unharmed. And now the answer to today's question of the day. And I asked, what is a blue moon? And it turns out it's not the thing, you know, it's not the definition we've always been taught. It's not having a second full moon in a month. It turns out that some seasons, instead of having three full moons, actually have four full moons. And the third one of the season, the third full moon in a season with four full moons, is called a blue moon. Now, this misinterpretation was made way back in March 1946 by Sky and Telescope magazine. They, they misinterpreted the main farmer's almanac at the time, and they didn't correct the error until 1999. So to repeat, just in case you didn't understand what I was saying, a typical season has three full moons, but sometimes there's four. So the third one out of the four of them is called a blue moon. Now you're probably wondering why don't they call the last one the blue moon. And it turns out that's because all the other moons actually have names. They're based on the season and where the sun is. So, for example, there's moon before Yule, which is the late fall. There's moon after Yule, which is early winter. And then there's the most famous one, harvest moon, which is late summer. 
So there really wasn't a name for this particular one that's the third out of a series of four in a season. So that's what a blue moon is. I hope you enjoyed today's story on the kidnapping of Millie McGill, as well as our question of the day on Blue Moons, listening to our retro sponsor Postum, and the news of the weird past tidbits on, you know, how a wooden leg saved a man's life, a boy who can now pronounce the letter F, and lastly, the boy who went to pick up his sweetie in his dad's car. If you'd like to read more true stories just like these, please be sure to get a copy of one of my books. They are Einstein's Refrigerator and Lindbergh's Artificial Heart. Both are written by me, Steve Silverman, and they're available from your local bookseller, online, and of course from your local library. If for some reason you'd like to contact me, you can simply you know, send me an email at useless at steve.silverman.name. That's useless at steve.silverman.name. Or you can visit my website, which is uselessinformation.org. Lastly, as always, I'd appreciate it if you could log into iTunes, and a lot of people have done this, and leave some positive comments to help increase the number of listeners to this podcast. So thanks again for listening. Talk to you next time. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.